strange movie to sell to be a family movie. Two guys had to go in and do that. They had to be like, okay, we got an idea for the next big family action comedy. All right, it's about a guy named Marty, and he's very lazy. He's always sleeping late. Okay, is he, is he cool like Ferris Bueller? No. But he does have this best friend who's, you know, a disgraced nuclear physicist. I'm confused here. This best friend, this is another student or, oh, no, 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 no. No, this guy's either like 40 or 80. Like, he, even we don't know how old this guy's supposed to be. But one day, the boy and the scientist, they go back in time and they build a time machine. Whoa! Okay, I think I see where you're going here. They build a time machine and they go back in time and they stop the Kennedy assassination. Ah. Oh, wow, that's a really good idea. We didn't even think of that. All right, well, what do they do with the time machine? Well, now I'm embarrassed to say. All right, all right, all right. We thought, ah, we thought it would be funny, you know, if the boy, if he went back in time and, you know, tried to f*** his mom. I don't know. We thought that'd be fun for people. But, yo, good point. No, he doesn't get to. He doesn't get to. But, because this family friend named Biff, he comes in and he tries to rape the mom in front of the son. The dad's gotta beat the rapist off of her. And also, we're gonna imply that a white man wrote Johnny B. Good, so we're gonna take that away from him. <laughs> well, this is the best movie idea I have ever heard in my life. We're gonna make three of them. Now, you say they go to the past. How about we call it Back to the Past? No, no, no. A Back to the Future. Right, but they go to the past. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It is um, a Wednesday, November 28th, uh, 2018. Um, well, let's just see how things go. See, let me go through my... Um, hastily pasted together notes to see uh, the things I put down there. Oh, we lost a lot of people uh, these past few days. Uh, uh, Nicholas Rogue, uh, Ricky J, Bernardo Bertolucci, who uh, made uh, a bunch of movies that I'm sure a lot of men saw because they had naked boobies in them. And then Later on in life, they saw him again. Like, oh, there's some deep, meaningful stuff here. So, uh, so yeah, they're they're gone. Uh, Steven Hillenburg, um, who uh, created SpongeBob SquarePants, I'm I'm probably gonna uh, get thrown into the fire for this. But uh, never never a big SpongeBob watcher. I don't know what it is. Maybe maybe because I you know I guess. I was officially at that point where I was too old to watch something called SpongeBob SquarePants. Like if this was during middle school or high school, I probably would have been all over it. But um, I was a grown ass man by the time that showed up around like 1999 or so. So, but uh, you know, apparently Stephen Hill, yeah, Stephen Hilbert created a show that uh, touched a lot of people's lives. So, uh, rest in power to him. And also, uh, Young Bosco. The guy who uh, apparently uh, came up with the uh, what are those uh, viral meme thing. So uh, messed up, like died in his sleep and everything. So, uh, so yeah, that's that's messed up. Like that's uh, just, you know, I'm sure he did a lot of things, but to, to know that just, he, you know, because when I saw it on Twitter, just like, Yan uh, Bosco, the guy who did "What Are Those?" Yeah, and that's the thing he's gonna be known as, not for creating a life for himself, trying to create uh, some sort of uh, footprint in the world 
Well, you know, he kind of created a footprint because he came up with the what are those shoe memes that was popping a while back. But, uh, you know, rest in peace to all of them. Uh, let's get into uh, black Twitter news because uh, earlier in the week, uh, people were talking about how uh, Dwight uh, Howard is um, kind of on a DL because there's this person. This uh, it first originally was um, identified as a transgender woman, but a uh, actually it's a cisgender gay man by the name of uh, I, I'm not even gonna pronounce Mason. Um, yeah, apparently this person put Dwight Howard's business out on the street on Twitter and uh, just uh, you know went on a huge uh, you know Twitter thread about him going to I don't know transgender parties or just uh, you know trying to hook up and everything and uh, and of course uh, Dwight Howard's camp uh retaliated so to speak by uh just uh threatening this person and um listen i'm you know i'm uh, i'm i'm willing to say that uh dwight howard you know and if if this is if the stuff is true that you know, the retaliated way he did with death threats on that's wrong but at the same time um maybe he just didn't like his business being put out in the street maybe you think of that just you know maybe just maybe he, he's trying to deal with stuff on his own pace and everything and yet you you just go putting him on blast all over the place hoping to get some kind of attention and, and here's another thing after i've talked about this on the show like well, i think one of the first shows i did talked about this how if uh people in the public eye like dwight howard goes down this road where uh they explore their sexuality and whatever. Why do they always have to do it with these hit em and quit em hoos who put their business out in the street? Like, gee, you ever heard of Grinder or, or, or Bumble or what it just. I'm pretty sure there are some, some decent, respectable. A gay man or trans or whatever you're into that are more discreet and and it also just you know just, let's see if I can if, if I can build on top of this just this is this is this is why you know you you read stuff about like there was this story earlier this week about um the trans woman in Honduras uh, uh dying I believe in under the uh under supervision of ICE, and just hearing about all these horrible stories of 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 trans women and just it just uh, people in the LGBTQ community uh, kind of dying because because this is you know because you know stuff like this happens where Pete where when somebody uh, you know gets their stuff put out there you know, and just uh, people just start you know just. Uh, and then there's you know all the stuff on Twitter about just the jokes. That was another thing because the uh, Dwight Howard. There was a lot. There was a lot of transgender jokes uh, pointed towards Dwight Howard, and then just a lot of the shaming, the trans shaming, and just just hearing about that stuff. You just just immediately go. You know, it's gonna go to that level where it's just. Uh, you know, people uh, may end up um, not being around anymore because of all this abuse online and whatnot, and and just it just people uh, retaliating and going crazy and just doing the whole just like you know, man, 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 I ain't gay, I ain't no homosexual, whatever the hell, and just you like who you like at this, you know. Let me tell you something. I'm 42 years old, and I'm just yeah, I'm just giving up on just uh, just the whole. First of all, I just know that I'm just like uh, 
like I'm, I'm have not delved into that 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 particular avenue of stuff. Uh, but but there have been instances where I just like I've I've seen a an attractive trans woman on TV or whatever. I'm just like, damn, whoever worked on that person really did an outstanding job. That person should get like some kind of you know some prize or something because like boy that is that's that's some that's some good work that that was done there so it's just like you like what you like just that's that's all i'm saying just more people more understanding about that instead of all the the nonsense all the, the all the all the abuse that happens and then a lot less people would just get all up in arms about it and yes, I'm rambling, but hey, that's you, you, you've come to expect that from the show. Oh, Jesus. I think I got, I think I got uh, gum disease. That's probably a big thing. Like, or at least that's what the, the dentist told me today. Because they looked at my teeth and just, like I was coming in there, gave me like a a cleaning. Well, they, 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 they gave me x-rays and all that. And then I was like, oh, you got... You, you got a lot of gum disease, and I'm just like, oh, man. So I got to give you a lot of money to to make it look like I don't have gum yeah, I'm, I'm going to deal with that on my own. Uh, but uh, you want me to talk about Trump? Okay, I'll talk about Trump's nail ass. Because, uh, of course, he, he tear gassed some kids earlier in the week. As uh, they were, uh, yeah, on a crowd of migrants, including children, crying across the U.S.-Mexico border on Sunday. Border agents were forced into action because they were being rushed by some very tough people. Critics have accused the Trump administration of a draconian response. I don't even know what the hell that means. Uh, while Mexico has demanded U.S. investigate its use of tear gas. And, of course, uh, there were, of course, the, uh, the, 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 the Trumpers talking about how, well, Obama did it. Years ago, uh, Obama also uh, dropped a lot of uh, air drone strikes, making him a strong opponent on the war on terror. So you want to want to give him some props for that too? You want you you want don't want to do that? Come on. Jesus. Oh, All right. Speaking of uh, Trumpy Trump, uh, his former campaign chairman Paul Manafort breached his plea agreement by lying to the FBI and special counsel investigators. Just, dude, like, I, I can't stop saying how Paul Manafort just looks like a person who just, he he, look, he looks like the this week's villain in a, in a Quinn Martin show from the 70s. And I know it's a very old reference, but it's just like, like you, you, like the minute he shows up on the screen, you say, yeah, that, that dude uh, does some shifty stuff right there. This is some. Yeah, don't even, don't even, you know, just ma- check his pockets after he leaves. Like, like when he when he's about to go, like frisk him. I don't, I don't trust that pockmarked bastard. And just let probably probably stole something from my mama. Just put, just 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 pat him down and just or whatever. Uh, <clears throat> where should I go here? The gender reveal. Uh, oh, this is this this was something I found out today, which um, should finally put a kibosh on gender reveal parties because um, last year um, the gender reveal of Dennis Dickey's child burned through forty five thousand acres in southern Arizona last year meant. That meant hundreds of people had to be evacuated from their homes and caused $8 million worth of damage. He was told to pick up the bill and give him five years probation. Because um, if, if, the, if the wildfires in California has not shown us how easily land could get just taken away from you, maybe it's a good idea not to have these elaborate-ass gender reveal parties. You know, you could just... Send out a group text and say, hey, we got a boy or a girl or maybe, just maybe, we don't want to have kids right now. And just we're trying to focus 
on trying to build a stable home for ourselves. And we don't want to have kids at the moment. But y'all uh, greedy, selfish bastards with kids just want other other people to suffer. So, yeah, we, we got to have kids too because y'all in hell with the kids. But stop having the gender reveal parties. That's... That's that's that is the that is some quintessential lame ass stuff. You you have a party, just it's like it's like that. You remember when LeBron made the decision? I think to go to from go to Cleveland, and that ESPN had that big show where just sit him sitting in a chair, just just wondering like, oh, should I? When should I say? What should I? All that stuff. That's basically what it is. Every time I see a gender, I see some YouTube clip of a damn gender reveal party. You could have easily said, it's a boy, it's a girl. Why got to have balloons? Why got to have some kind of damn dust? Like you're in a, like some colorful dust, like you had an Imagine Dragons concert? It's like, what the hell are you doing? What is, what, what, you just want everybody to know about you and yourself and what you want. And like, this is my baby, as though that, had, that does not happen every 30 seconds. Somebody has a baby, but you want to make it so damn important. That you got to make a big deal out of the sex of your child. Y'all need Jesus in such massive ways. When every time I see, hear about gender reveal party, I'm like, y'all couldn't just get together and can some stuff. You couldn't, or you couldn't do any other white people stuff y'all do. Hey, maybe black people do it too, but whatever. Stop the gender reveal parties. It's, 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 it's literally killing property. $8 million worth of property. Finally, uh, well, by, by the way, wait a minute. Uh, the Trey Songs uh, mixtapes uh, came out last night. 11 is okay, but 28 is straight trash because trap R&B is the worst freaking thing in the world. Like, I hate, why, why R&B's, like, with these new... With R&B singers, I'm going to just start making trap R&B. You sound stupid. Like Usher and just like in all in great, just making trap R&B. Just your grown ass man talking about eating it out like a rice bowl. No, nobody want to hear that. Uh, finally, um, my my favorite story of the week. Uh, Houston because it involves Houston. Houston landed at number four on the list. Of the most sinful cities in the U.S., number four, the, the same spot that they had last year. Uh, the study measured several factors, including violent crimes per capita, drinking levels, and adult entertainment businesses per capita. All factors were distilled into seven categories: anger and hatred, jealousy, excesses and vices, greed, lust, vanity, and laziness. But the and the but uh, the Houston Police Vice Division routinely arrests dozens of alleged pimps and johns soliciting prostitutes. I didn't know we were living the deuce all of a sudden. Um, a single major operation earlier this year netted 69 suspects on sex trade charges. Of course, it's 69, 69 suspects. And basically, did did a, did did a study have to tell us this? I live in Houston. I can I can list off all the things that I've experienced just living here these past two years again to make you to, to, to convince you thoroughly that this place is a mess. Just just a, just a, he go, going through Southwest Houston during the weekend alone. This just or as I like to call it South Breast Houston because they have all the strip clubs down there, but um. Oh man, just well, congratulations, Houston. You're you're a sinful city, whatever the hell that means. Uh just this is whatever the hell this is going on. Well let's it's alright, the twenty minutes is up. Uh let's get to the music. This is uh the most uh gender fluid show on uh KPFT. Yeah, this is a sour hour. (laughs) 
Cali, Cali. I'm going back to Cali. I don't think so. I'm going back to Cali, Cali, Cali. I'm going back to Cali. I don't think so. Going back to Cali, styling, profiling, dialing and smiling, while in the sun. The top is down on the black Corvette, and it's fly cause it's sitting on the steering wheel, plushed out, gold leaf phantom top, and three girls waiting. Surprising, advising, realizing she's sizing me up. Her bikini small, heels tall. She said she liked the ocean. She showed me a beach, gave me a peach, and pulled out the suntan lotion. Now, I'm fast, but this girl was faster. She was looking for a real good time. I said, Close your eyes, I got a surprise.
Okay, um, this is the uh, Sour Hour, a.k.a. Everything is Cancelled, a.k.a. Pryor's Place. Um, I am Craig D. Lindsay, a.k.a. Black Larry David, a.k.a. Anastasia Beaverhausen. Uh, what's my Twitter handle this week? I forget. I for- it's probably something very clever. Let me see. Let me let me draw it up. And it's automatic problematic. Yeah, there it is. Um, and you're listening to uh, yeah, the show here on KPFT HD two, not three two. Uh, if you wanna hit me up on the uh, interwebs on Twitter, Instagram. Um, Pinterest. I'm not on Pinterest. I, I don't even want to keep talking about Pinterest. Uh, it's um, it's at Uncle Crizzle at U N C L E C R I Z Z L E. Want to let me know you're listening? You can hashtag the Sour Hour. And uh, if you want to listen to uh, previous episodes, go to my Mixcloud page at mixcloud.com/slash Uncle Crizzle. Um, let's, uh, bring up the, uh, list of songs we played. Uh, first one is, uh, Going Back to Cali, a classic, uh, by the one and only LL Cool J, uh, produced by Rick Rubin, uh, from, from the Less Than Zero soundtrack. I don't know if any of you remember that, that movie. Um, after that, that was Around the World in a Day. Uh, from the uh, Around the World in a Day album by Prince and the Revolution, from from all the way from 1985, and af- and finally um, played some White Stripes, the hardest button to button from the Elephant album, and I played all those because they are three songs that are on the uh, master list of um, singles uh, stuff uh, that uh, t- tonight's guest really likes. Uh, he is a, uh, very well-respected, uh, film critic and scholar. Uh, he, uh, he lives right here in Houston and, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's a very respectable man. Let's put it like that. So, uh, serious man. Yeah. Serious man or, or simple man where they, yeah. I know they were like 10 years ago. There was like a bunch of a man movies. So yeah, these were uh, Michael Suzinski, uh, welcome to the Sour Hour. You can talk into the mic now. Just, uh, thank you very much for having me. You can get close to it. Man. I can't get. I don't Matter of fact, you need to put on the headphones. Just all right. And uh, can you hear yourself? I believe I can. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah. So yeah. You I uh, you you have a Patreon page, which uh, just we're gonna jump it right. Uh, no Patreon site with you. You're on you're on Patreon. For people who don't know, Patreon is a uh, just site where people can uh, you know try to make money doing what they do. Yeah, it, uh, it's essentially just kind of a pass the hat kind of thing. Uh, I've been writing reviews uh, online for. Uh, kind of up, up, up teen thousand years, but uh, I thought maybe some people might want to uh, do a subs- sign up for a subscri- subscription site. So I decided to give it a go. It's called Obscure Alternatives, which 
is the title of a song by a band called Japan. Uh, and I decided that uh, it, it that kind of suited uh, the kind of work that I do. So, yeah, at this point, I've got 61 subscribers, which isn't bad. It's it's only been around for about three weeks. But uh, for a dollar a month, you can see some of the writing that I've been doing lately. And uh, it's mostly film reviews, but uh, I've been... Uh, putting up some bloggy kind of material as well, so just kind of trying it out, seeing what seeing what sticks. Yeah, and uh, you said uh, uh, you've been putting bloggy stuff, and one of them was like a list of uh, you put basically had a list of uh, musical artists and uh, acts, and uh, you put down there your favorite song from those acts. Right, and uh, I'm not I'm not a music critic. I have no real training or critical viewpoint where music is concerned but uh, I and so I titled those posts uh, pedestrian at best which is uh, as a lot of your readers uh, <laughs> listeners um, can't get out of the print men- mentality a lot of your ri- listeners probably know is a uh, uh, track by uh, uh, Courtney oh, what's her face um, it'll come to me in a minute um, you mean Courtney love or Courtney Burnett doesn't uh, uh, the Australian one. Oh, Courtney Barnett. Yeah. Courtney Barnett. Yeah. Yeah. She um, just she just won some uh, what some Genos? Isn't that the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last last my, night. My memory's just shot. I'm 47 years old, and I I just can't remember anything mm. any longer. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, yeah, it was just uh, a list of. It started out as a list of a hundred songs, uh, my favorite songs by uh, different artists, and. What I found was that uh, I kind of like crunchy guitars or kind of spacey synth, but nothing kind of in between. So it was really just uh, affective, gut-level kind of responses. Um, there's a whole kind of singer-songwriter area in the middle that I just really don't respond to. Mm-hmm. So again, um, I have an aesthetic that is where music is concerned that's not really very critical so i would never deign to write about music just because i'm i'm completely ill-informed i just kind of it's what a lot of people say about about movies right i i don't know movies but i know what i like Mm -hmm. well that's kind of where i am with music i'm really envious of people like uh, our friend noel murray oh yeah oh yeah who's just a, a genius when it comes to writing about music and and film um, well, I mean, he comes from like the AV club, and basically that whole crew, right? Who just, who just wrote about anything, like you know, Nathan and Nathan Rabin and Keith Phipps and all those guys that, or those and and women, just you know, they they knew a lot about pop culture. So, right, right, and uh, you know, my, tra- I mean, I don't want to get into a lot of background or anything, but I mean, my path through how I kind of ended up writing about movies was I I came up through art history Mm -hmm. so my training was writing about painting and sculpture primarily and then I kind of got into uh, cinema as primarily a visual medium and it took me a long time to even be able to say halfway intelligent things about sound design or the soundtrack because I was looking at films so much as a visual thing because you know, I I had been trained academically to, you know, look at Rothko paintings and Jackson Pollock and stuff like that, and to kind of use that mental scrim to kind of think about movies. So I never really, uh, never really uh, looked at pop culture in a critical way at all. That's that's something that's a deficit that I've had to kind of pick up and try and fill in over the years um i i never read a comic book growing up so you know in a lot of ways i'm not really built for 2018 kind of film criticism but i try and find other things that i can kind of contribute to nonetheless right well, I wanted to touch on this uh, real quickly because w- probably uh, one of the reasons I played the, the, those batches of song that batch of songs um, was because the two of them uh, going back to Cali and Hardest Button to Button 
found to be uh they were very i mean at prince uh around the world and day there was never a, a video for that mm-hmm. but those two videos those two songs had videos that were quite artistic right and if you yeah you because know, like uh yeah because uh going back to cali is is, 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 a, is a classic a song and a video because uh there's a lot of uh you know, uh, uh, French new wave influences and everything. Right. And then Hardest Button to Button, uh, I don't know if you remember that video. Yeah, yeah. Michelle Gondry. Yeah, Gondry, who directed a lot of uh, White Stripes videos. Right. And, and uh, the Around the World in a Day is, that that's the Parade soundtrack, right? No, or, no. Or, oh, no. no. Parade was parade, after. Parade was the next. Yeah. But, but yes, the, the, uh, but there, like, was, there was no uh, video for uh, Around in the World in a Day. But no, I, you're right. There is a visual asp- aspect to some of the songs I like. But I kind of noticed thinking about Hearts Button Button and uh, going back to Cali uh, side by side, two very different songs. But I, I like that they both... Ha- the composition of both songs has a lot of space and negative space and kind of um, white space in in the songs, and that's something that I kind of find that I I like a lot. Um, well, you you also say there's like a very minimalistic sound to it, right? Like exactly. His, like Rick Rubin is always like that was uh, the thing. Like when when Rick Rubin produced Radio LL's first album, his credit was like reduced by Rick Rubin. It wasn't like a huge. Oh, that, that's great. Wasn't yeah. a huge big production. He just like took like the essence of him as an uh, MC and just the beats and just made an album. Out. Right. So yeah, there is, especially with, you know, the white stripes is just, you know, it's just Jack and Meg, <laughs> the guitar and the drums and that's it. And just, that's, that's the whole sound. So, And that, that's interesting that you point that out because I tend to gravitate toward minimalism in film and in visual art as well. I definitely find the, the less is more aesthetic kind of, intriguing mm-hmm. well well, I, I was also about to see because like talking about the videos and if anybody who knows you uh, knows your taste you're more into more as you, as you already said like you're very much into uh, experimental avant-garde you're like one of the most uh, uh, you know enthusiast champions of avant-garde cinema I personally know and just does that does that also include uh, music videos? Because uh, you know you, you you go down that Armand White route where uh, like you hold uh, music videos in a high art form, um, in a in a high regard and everything. Yes, although I haven't been able to keep up with them as much as I'd like to. Um, the, there are kind of, on my website there are top ten lists going back, uh, well, back into the silent era, but there are years where I have some uh, key music videos in my top ten, like uh, Jonas Ackerland's uh, video for uh, Prodigy Smack My Bitch Up, uh, Maria Moncha's very minimalist video for um, Man Size by P.J. Harvey, uh, and uh, a couple of uh, Michelle Gondry videos. Um, I think one of them is. Uh, I don't think it's hardest button to button. Um, I, I think one of them is one of his videos for Chemical Brothers. I forget which oh, one. That the one with the. I forget the name of the song, but it's like the uh, the girl waking up and everything. Uh, yes, Let Forever Be. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I find interesting about Gondry is all of his videos are kind of different, but. At base, what he's really doing is creating with physical analog materials, kind of Xeroxes and sets and physical buildings and structures, these effects that you could do in two seconds with digital effects. So there's, there's a kind of... A homespun goodness to his work. Ingenuity, I, would you say? I, exactly. And uh, I really like that there, there's something kind of old-fashioned in his work, even though the effect ends up looking yeah. very futuristic because it mm. it's creating all of these 
repetitions and loops and, uh, and optical illusions, but it's actually kind of created uh, in in these with these techniques that go back to kind of the early days of television. Hmm. You ever you ever see those uh, director's label DVD series that they dropped? Because like yes, um, um, I yeah um, the. Gondry one in particular, not so much the um, the Spike Jones or the Chris Cunningham, but the Gondry in particular, I kind of have seared into my brain because that was one of the uh, videos that uh, my child watched infinitely as as a small kid, like yeah. from ages two to five. That was kind of in the rotation along with a few. Uh, Disney things and whatever that he was just watching that nonstop yeah. to the point where I had to replace it because he had kind of scratched it, taking putting it in and out of the DVD. Yeah. It is a very kid friendly collection. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There was also a collection of Jonathan Glazer and Mark uh, Romanek, and yeah, they had like a whole other uh, group of uh, directors and just like those. Those are like when that came out. Like I just watched them as not, uh, a lot because I like just like just watching because. Yeah, there, there was a time when, like, not now, where, you know, music videos were still see, seen as a key component in a lot of uh, musicians and artists making the name for themselves. And uh, and, and they, they, they hired uh, directors, especially at, you know, in the mid-90s when MTV right. started actually listing who directed the videos. Right. You know, in the in the in the in the, in the, 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 the credits and everything, so just like it, it began to a point where you could see who which directors were doing what, and in in their videos, and you saw that they had styles like Spike Jones is just like it was just uh, very you know it had a very pop cultural um, sensibility to it, and also kind of like a. Yeah, you know, especially when he did stuff like with uh, with the Be- uh, Beastie Boys or Weezer, right? Or his Bjork videos. I mean, yeah, it, yeah there was a kind of uh, genre consciousness and kind of a big Hollywood feel, uh, but kind of done on the cheap. So it was it was always kind of winking and ironic. Um, yeah, and that's something that I, I don't I don't know what again because I don't really know the the music industry and I don't I'm not a music critic, but I don't know what's changed. But videos seem to have really diminished in importance, and it's not—it's yeah. not just that MTV doesn't show them anymore, and MTV is all kind of like you know, pimp my ride and all that stuff. But that music seems to be uh, succeeding based on downloads and things like that, where the video is inconsequential Mm -hmm. i mean occasionally people i think watch things on vivo and whatever but that that seems like i mean when you watch videos now it's clear that it's kind of an afterthought yeah that songs do have to have a video but there's not a lot of conscious artistry at work it's really kind of pro forma Mm, yeah we're supposed to talk about holiday movies (laughs) um but uh not a, not a lot to talk about, unfortunately. Well, the thing, the thing about it is, I always get wrapped up into this with you because a lot of you don't know. Like, there have been times, especially when I used to come back here, um, I would call you up and say, "Hey, man, let's let's go to the House of Pies, let's hang out and just talk about things." And just like it's all, I've always enjoyed um, you know, picking your brain and just from you know reading about because. I don't know if I ever told you this, uh, but just like when I, like, I think it was, yeah, it was a decade ago when I started to um, try to figure out if I knew what I was doing as a, as a critic, writer, stuff, and especially in the realm of uh, film criticism. And I started um, going online and looking at all the different uh, critics that are out there. You got your Mike D'Angelo's, you got your Victor Morton's, and, uh, you know, Bill uh, Ibery, who's, who's here, and uh, and just um, so there, there are so many, and just Simon Abrams, all these all these other different uh, writers out there, and one of them uh, was you, and just, uh, just seeing what you were doing, and just... Uh, 
reading stuff and just uh, getting stuff out there and and just try, trying to get a and and also I've learned that just like when I was looking at that stuff, just the how um, trying to I'm trying to find the worry where it's. Uh, it's kind of like what Mike D'Angelo does, where he just like he he has lists and he has a website and everything, and just and that was the same thing with your website, Academic Hack, where just like he just had lists and all this stuff. So uh, and and when I would read your when I would read your stuff, it just I feel like I I was just out of it. Well, why why is that though? What what? What, well, it, what was it about my stuff in particular? Well, it, I mean, we just had we just spent 50, uh, fifteen minutes talking about uh, avant garde and just uh, filmmaking and just like when you like it's obvious that you know you have a uh, much more different ve- uh, interest vested interest in the in, in in how you perceive film and criticism and everything, whereas just like. It had, you know, you got to understand, like, back then, just, like, I really felt the need to need to work on myself as a writer. And and through that, and, and through that, like, find, just reading more writers. Right. And just, just find out what other writers were interested in, what were their, how do they go about uh, looking at stuff. And just, and you, you're, you're one of those people that... And just like, Jesus, uh, man, just like, like I gotta, I gotta, I gotta give the impression I give a damn. <laughs> well, I, I, I appreciate that. I, I think, <laughs> but, but the, the, the thing, you know, the, the thing about that is that, you know, my, my work, is just kind of coming from, my own, weird minoritarian predilections and there are so many things that my work doesn't do or can't do that I'm in awe of other writers you know, yourself included I think that my work often can't take the social or contemporary political context into account as well as a, as, as other writers I think that I can't grapple with genre as well as other writers. And, you know, I think that uh, classic Hollywood is is a huge gap in my knowledge. So, I mean, I think that, you know, everybody just kind of works with, you know, with with their knowledge base and everybody's kind of working with what they've got. Uh I don't know. Well, you talk about these things like you find that as because you have written about a lot not knowing those things you feel that's a detriment to you as a, as a critic that like it, it would be hard for you to be you know a, a professional uh well you know professional film critics are, are almost uh, a rarity these days where you well you would work on a paper and just review movies a newspaper and and, and review movies all the time because you don't have those 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 things that you that you mentioned well um i'd love a job like that so i don't want to like you know tip my hand too much but you know if if one came available i'd certainly want to be you know in the running but 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 no i mean i i don't think i would i don't think i could do it in the way that would be expected of someone in that position at least not conventionally I'd like to think I could bring something else, something different to that position. And, you know, back uh, during the heyday of the national scene, when we were both working with the dear departed Jim Ridley. Yeah. Rest his soul. Pour one out for Jim. You know, I think that we were, you know, we were both writing about uh, all kinds of different movies, a lot of blockbusters, a lot of art films. A lot of documentaries. I mean, he his coverage, the kinds of things that he valued, and the things that he thought Nashvilleians needed to read about, needed to be aware of, 
that was that was a very he had a very capacious vision and so i think we you know under him you know we got to write about a lot of different kinds of things and um and so i think that you know when i was you know working with the, with the scene under Jim, you know, I wrote wrote I wrote about a lot of kinds of things that I wouldn't ordinarily. Uh, did I do that as well as somebody who is better versed in uh, the Marvel extended universe? I I don't know, but I'd like to think that if I was totally botching the job, Jim would have told me. I'd like to think that I found some way into those things that was a of some kind of value, but that's ultimately for readers to decide. I mean, I don't, you know, we, we never really know if we're doing the job. I mean, I think, uh, we're probably always our own harshest critic of our own work. So we can't, we can't ever really know how badly we're screwing up. Well, you know, actually, you were supposed to be down here earlier in the month, but I gave you the wrong date because <laughs> yeah. you were supposed to be down here, Richard Herskovitz, uh, to talk about the Houston Cinema Arts Festival, where uh, you know you had a um, a avant garde experimental program right. that you screened at Rice Cinema, and uh, I was there when you had it, and it uh, went about an hour and a half, and you, you were trying to explain basically show people, you know, what you get out of experimental avant-garde film. And it, it was quite entertaining ha- seeing you try to converse with people who aren't aware about avant-garde cinema, who, who, who were kind of thrown off by the flickering or whatever the hell their problem was. And just, I mean, what is, what is that, you know, how, how do you respond to stuff like that when, when something like that happens when you, like, do a program and then you have to hear some old person go, I did it. just hurt my eyes. It just... Well, that kind of, that kind of situation I think is a little bit, I mean, I see that as part and parcel, you know, along with what I try to do with the website. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of presentations of avant-garde film a lot of the writing about avant-garde film is very insular. It assumes an audience of old timers who are very familiar with the work, who are often filmmakers themselves, who are just kind of totally inside the lingua franca. And it's always been very, I mean, I come from a working class background. You know, my dad was a conductor for the railroad and my mom is a kindergarten teacher. So, you know, it's very important to me to be able to try and communicate as best I can something about this work to to the novice and uh, and respect the fact that they may have no room in their world for this and that's totally legitimate. Mm-hmm. I just I just trying to kind of put it out there as an offer and to respect the fact that you know, this is hard work. This is difficult work, and maybe they can get something out of it, and maybe I can communicate some reason why they why they should or why they might. All right, we gotta go, man. Uh, this my, was fun. It okay? It was. Yeah. All yeah. right. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it. Just trying to keep this going however long I can. But uh, where, where the hell can people uh, reach you? Where, you know, let, let them know the website, the, the Twitter handle, and, and where people can uh, get your Patreon stuff. Okay, most of my work, you can find links on my personal website, which is The Academic Hack, and that's uh, academichack.net. And you can find me on Twitter, if you really want to, <laughs> uh, at... Uh, M-S-I-C-I-C-M. Uh, Wait a minute, isn't it M-S-I-C-I-M? It's M-Sikism, so it's M-S-I-C-I-C... Wait, I'm doing it wrong. Ah, Wait, real quickly. M-S-I-C... Yeah, S-I-C-I-S-M. I-S-M. Yeah, okay. There it goes. There we go. Thank you very much, Michael. Yeah, Fly Squad Radio is coming up. All this missing is you. Uh, on, uh, on on HD2. Uh, the Flash Gordon Park show is over at the main station right now. 
yeah, this is uh, Craig D. Lindsay saying, hey, Sarah Huckabee, you, me, and uh, uh, you've been messing up this week, so I'll just leave it at that. All right, see you.